Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Joe. I'm struggling to think about where to start this week because there's so many things we can talk about. Uh, obviously, we move towards a recession call in Europe this year, this week. Uh, we have uh, a U.S. that we don't think is in recession but had a negative GDP report. Uh, we've got coming up uh, the important payroll report in the U.S. There's a whole set of dynamics here to talk about. So let's do this freeform, Joe. Tell me what you want to talk about right now, and I'll come come off of that. Uh, well, I mean, there's clearly an interesting contrast in in the first half to the second half, where in the first half, we're looking at a U.S. economy that actually contracted in two quarters. And you and me and most economists are on our heels trying to fight back the people saying that that is a recession. We certainly don't think that's a recession, given the strong labor market outcomes. And we can, you know, that that conversation got amplified by the GDP report this week. But that contrasts with Europe, which actually, I mean, can I say boomed? I mean, it's pretty, by European standards, it was a pretty strong first half, right? I mean, some of this is continued bounce back, but uh, nonetheless, it was a strong first half for Europe and a weak first half for the US. And yet this week we put in a recession call for the for Europe and we have the US, I mean, certainly there's risk, but I think there's lots of reasons to think the US is actually gonna skirt a recession here. Uh, I don't wanna well, give the impression, I'm not worried. Let's go through that in just a little bit. So I think if I want to pop in the positives here, I would just say it is a positive that the uh, corporate sector was able to slow the pace of stock building um, by roughly half, even in a uh, a quarter that goods uh, activity contracted. That's, that's good. That gets us less uh, overhang on that front. It's a positive that we continue to see households eat into their saving uh, to cushion the blow of high inflation. And, and, you know, the June consumption number was actually, you know, small positive in real terms, which was a positive. It's a positive that we're seeing gasoline prices coming down um, quite a bit and that's, is going to lower. That's the biggest positive. Okay. You can, US, you can I order think. them. You can order them in, in whatever direction you want. I mean, I'm scratching so, my head on on some of the things you said around the goods sector, right? Explain to me how it is that goods demand contracts fairly sharply, I think, through the first half. Uh, and industrial production in the U.S. is up like 5% in the first half. And yet the pace of inventory building goes down. So I don't want to get into a long conversation about. I'm not going to touch that one, Joe, because that is going to go. I, I don't know. You admit we'll that's a really hard that one to square. But I can promise you we'll have no listeners by the time we get <laughs> 10 minutes into that one. Let's leave that. And let me kind of go just on the other side, because I think it's a mistake to stop there. I'm more worried about a U.S. recession at the end of this week than I am at the beginning of this week. Um, I think within the GDP report, uh, the fall in business spending is pretty striking. Um, and that momentum loss to me is importantly being accompanied by the sentiment slide we see in the surveys and a very sharp rotation away from income. So obviously the big thing, as you noted, that gives us a um, a sense the US isn't in recession is the strength of the labor market. But when I look at the second quarter GDP report, 
I see um, wage inflation running very high. Certainly that's a message from the ECI uh, today as well. I see productivity collapsing. Uh, so even in a quarter where uh, the price deflator for corporates was running 9%, it looks like unit labor costs are running way ahead of that. And it looks like margins are coming under pressure, profits. And moreover, fall. I think that that price deflator increase is heavily concentrated, whereas the unit labor costs increase is probably more broadly dispersed across industries. Yeah, although there's a lot of price pressure, not not to lose the concentration of energy and some other commodity related industries, there's a lot of price pressure. But, but you're right. I think there's uh, probably more pressure than the aggregate numbers would suggest in the yeah. There's no doubt that corporates are are really taking it on the chin in terms of margins, and we've been writing about this for a year now. I think in terms of the corporate challenge that we're going to face, and it's coming in pretty hard uh, right up through the second quarter here. I guess you know one thing that tempers that a little bit, and you and I were talking about this earlier, is that profit margin compressions can go on for a while. It doesn't tell you, it's not a trigger for the start of a recession. To me, it just tells you you're in the latter stages of, a, of an expansion. Well, uh, 100% that that's not a trigger for anything, but the point is that it's coming together with a big slide in sentiment. It's coming together with a, a momentum shift in spending. CapEx was down in Q2 in the US. The fact that inventory growth slowed is, um, is positive in terms of positioning, but a behavioral signal is clearly on the more negative side. Uh, structure spending were down as well in the quarter. And I think importantly, the, the problem is, is, is also that if we look to the third quarter, um, I'm not gonna predict what productivity is gonna do, but I'm pretty sure that we're gonna get a big fall off in, in inflation, and we're not gonna get that same fall off in wage gains. And so the gap there, is going to remain pretty um, uh, pretty substantial in terms of the pressure on corporates, and that gets us. But well, what would you before. say, Bruce? What would you say is is more important about that fall off inflation? Would you say that that you're concerned about the profit margin hit, which I would argue still is is somewhat concentrated because it's an energy price story, the negative from that, or the huge positive to purchasing power? that's going to come for the consumer, which is going to generate a lot of revenue if the consumer kind of comes back to life here. What's so I think more important? This is, I think that's a, that's a difficult question to answer, but I think to my mind, the issue right now is about straws on the camel back. So the question is, are what we're seeing in claims, are what we're seeing in, in the profits and margins, is it starting to push corporates to pull back? Because if that's the case, even with that purchasing power lift, the, the quick loss in labor income here is going to be dominant. On the other hand, if corporates are still basically bending but not breaking, then I think you're 100% right that the uh, purchasing power lift, the possibility that consumers deliver more spending gains, um, obviously also the implications that slow growth and some falling off inflation could have in cooling the pace of the Fed, all of those things. And that's kind of our baseline, right? So that's- Well, yeah, that's this the, is this is kind of an important point here that it really comes down to the, the resilience of the labor market. Because if you get the resilience of the labor market, then I think some of these things we're worried about on you know corporate profitability- Let's just be which, careful here. The resilience of the labor market is, is just, I think what we're talking about is behavior of businesses you know it's the decision on businesses are they 
Are they right. bending or they're breaking? Is there another? Is there another? Is there another version well, of that? I just want to get to the when you're talking about resilience, it's a resilience of business decision making. That's what you're, yeah, you're saying. It's yeah, course. hiring. If the hiring okay. is there, right? I I think then the margin squeeze is going to be a worry, but not necessarily like a a a, a trigger for kind of recession dynamics if consumers are kind of coming back to life. Uh, but that's a big call. And I agree that, you know, with claims kind of inching higher and we say 275,000 on weekly claims is the marker, uh, we're we're getting we're getting closer to that. Uncomfortably uh, close, yes. Yes, uncomfortably close. And by uh, the I mean, way, for we're what forecasting it, a slowing, a pretty substantial slowing, not weak payrolls next week, but uh, a slowing to 200K. So again, as a momentum indicator, we're moving, um, you know, down the ladder here. Um, yeah. For what it's worth, Bruce, I mean, just to switch topics, we we did have the Fed this week. I mean, what was your sense of like how kind of Powell and company are are processing? They're they're having the same conversation we're having. They seem to be, uh, I mean, maybe they're little hint of worrying, and they are at a neutral rate now. But you know, our sense is that they're still going to be going here, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty committed to continuing to hike. And it's a question of the magnitude at the September meeting. I think Powell did what he he um, should have and what we expected him to do at this meeting, which is he continues to talk about the commitment to get inflation down, the need for higher uh, rates. But he's also talking about the idea that the Fed is, is not going to be able to guide here because it has to be sensitive to both uh, the concerns about growth as well as the uh, the problems on inflation. So, you know, right now- Is that a feels, shift? Is that a shift, yeah, sure. Bruce? Well, shift. okay, but let me going. let me push you on that. Before, I thought you had a, a kind of this three, two, one call that sensitivities growth would only be shown for the Fed when they get to three, for the BOE when it gets to two, and for the ECB when it gets to one. And we'll talk about the ECB in a second, because I think that's interesting with our recession call. But it sounds like you're changing it a little bit for for the Fed that it's not getting to to three anymore. No, no, I'm not changing it at all. I'm just saying they're previewing the fact that they're going to move fifty at the next meeting, and they're good previewing the fact that as they get there, they're going to become somewhat more data dependent. I mean, I think as I said, this was a shift that we expected. I don't think there was a a surprise there. I don't think they're balancing things that far differently than we had anticipated. Um, and and certainly they're basically telling us that the need for speed is probably going to go away here as you get policy rates up towards 3%. How they balance those things still remains uh, an important question. Obviously, our call is the economy slows to 1% or, or, slow, or picks up to 1%, I probably should yeah, say. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, with payrolls slowing, importantly, to to about a hundred thousand a month, and that the Fed finds a comfort level with that and and some moderation inflation at about three and a half percent policy rate. But we'll we'll see that that trade off that reaction function remains. But I think the 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 sense that they're going to get to a point where they're going to be balancing growth and inflation risks, um, you know, more clearly is what I think was signaled at this meeting, and they don't want to lay down any clear markers for the September meeting, given that they got two more payroll reports, two more inflation reports, and obviously all the other things uh, that they look at. I want to pivot here a little bit because we can obsess about the U.S. for another 20 minutes if we want to, but we should talk about 
the global economy. And there's a there's obviously the European call uh, with the higher natural gas prices, but there's also just the issue of what is your take having, we spent a decent amount of time talking and writing about the global goods sector this week. What's your take about where we stand in terms of the overall picture of the global economy as we are sitting uh, with data that, that basically is about mid-year? Well, I mean, I, I, we talked a little bit about this last week as well, right? I mean, I think things look pretty grim in the goods sector and you know the consumer goods spending looks to be contracting even if you take china out is contracting in the three months through may uh business equipment spending has slowed quite considerably it is not stalled but it's it's slowed uh and overall that's pointing to a broad kind of pullback in final goods demand uh, industrial production is also falling. And I think the biggest worrying sign is that even with industrial production globally having slowed, and you can take China out of that, uh, I think you have to, given the the boom down and up, um, you know, that you're seeing inventories build, right? The the July or the June survey showed a concerning rise in, in inventories. Uh, we will be getting the PMIs next week, global manufacturing for July. We had the flash readings. Those also sent a concerning signal about the goods sector. And I think I think the message is is one of one of kind of heightened, uh, you know, amber alert for these recession risks that we've been flagging. So uh, I don't think that story has changed much. I think, if anything, something out of Asia that looked a little worrying to me or, or I guess less less encouraging is that the the updraft from China, is it, you can see it, China or Japan and Korea both surprised the upside on IP in June. But I think the more bellwether countries that we tend to look at as kind of leading signals for the broader global story out of Taiwan, Singapore, Thailand, which kind of lead the cycle a little bit, all three of those um, uh, disappointed were weaker than expected on their industrial production reports. So let's, uh, I, let's remember we've got um, PMIs next week, manufacturing PMIs globally. Uh, we saw the DM flash already uh, take a step down. It wasn't as dramatic in manufacturing as it was in services. But what do you think the Asian PMI data is going to tell us next week, which is obviously the key focus there? Absolutely, I think I think it'll take a step down. I mean, that's a that that's just that's that's a real gut call. I mean, there's not we don't have a lot to go on, but just what I'm seeing in the mix of the data flow out of out of the region, which of course is not necessarily leading in any way but i think that the the softness we're seeing up through may into june uh you know along with my concerns around the goods sector in general is would suggest that there's going to be some pullback there probably some more inventory build as well okay so let's let's sort of put that on the table we're not going to have much more time here i think the other thing i just want to put on the table is this sense that the euro area inflation number came out quite high uh, this morning, it was up about one, almost 1% 1 on a month on month. You know, we, a week ago, we were thinking it would be six tenths, which was a high number. 1% is a, another huge upside surprise. Uh, most of the recent months have seen the euro area, which reports first, you know, signal upside surprises and then have it follow through elsewhere in the world. This time, we're looking for pretty material downdraft in most other big countries, notably the US, where we look for a two tenths month-on-month -month rise. That's the gasoline price decline. EM, we're building in with perhaps a little less confidence, food price inflation moderating. So we got a three-tenths rise in EM. Those are both big drop-offs. 
so, and as you're noting, we'll, we'll look at that as a, as a positive growth signal as some of the squeeze on purchasing power is, um, is being removed. So that's, that's an important thing to look at. U.S. employment, 200,000 PMIs you uh, talked about. Uh, we got Bank of England, a 50 basis point hike we're looking for there. Um, and let's just hope claims don't get to 275 or 290 or 300 next week. What else, Joe? Anything else you want to you want to end on before we? Well, I mean, I, you talked about this uh, high side inflation print in the euro area. I I guess I get less hung up on the headline number because there used to be a time when we didn't pay as much attention to those. But what was notable in that inflation print for Europe is the core number, which actually had been not as strong as like the U.S. Actually, did surprise quite a bit to the upside, and I think that will kind of really fan the flames of the ECB, which surprised us with the 50 basis points start to the hiking cycle. And we did pull forward one of the 25s into September. So we had 25 September, 25 October. We now have 50 uh, October. So, um, you know, and I think that, you know, comes ahead of when we think a, my, a mild recession will start. Uh, but before we get there, presumably the ECB is going to be looking at the inflation prints and be quite concerned about that and uh, be acting aggressively following in the footsteps of the Fed. Okay. That's a, a lot. And there was probably a lot more we could go into uh, if we wanted to, but I think we'll end it here and hope to be able to continue this conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.